This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day, and welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network with Pastor Xavier Reese. How you doing, Pastor Good morning, Tony. Amen. Doing good, doing good. We're Enjoying right. the... Uh, Nice cool weather and yeah. and best months of the year, October, December. Well, nice we're, running, and cool we're running out of December yeah. here pretty quickly. Yeah, won't be long. <laughs> also in the studio with us here today, a production engineer, John Duran. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 262 on December 20th, 2022. There's a lot Amen. of twos in there. Our brother Ray Miranda helping <laughs> with video today. Thank you, Ray. Pastor X, we're continuing in our perspective looking at the incarnation of Jesus. And, you know, at first glance, I would never have guessed that there was so much important information about this one specific aspect of Jesus' ministry. Uh, I mean, it has implications into everything, sure. but there's just a ton of important information yeah. as you begin to examine it more carefully. Yeah, yeah. The, the last time we talked about some of the issues of the Lord's purpose uh, in the incarnation, the scriptural perspective of God coming to earth. And we're going to continue in that direction to some degree, but we're going to deal today with the nature of the incarnation, specific right. details from the scripture about that. And want to mention that uh, this information that we're going over today was taken from uh, Bible studies, topical studies that you did about 20 years ago, right, right around 2000. And it, it you know, it, Seems like, Pastor X, as you really stop and think about the whole idea of God being created in a human body. Yeah. Not just appearing, because that's a different thing. Sure. We know in the, in the Old Testament, we believe Christ appeared numerous times as a human person. Right. But he wasn't a real human. Right. Yet, 2,000 years ago, when he was born from his mother Mary into the tribe of Judah, he was a real human being. Right, right. And that's a very different yeah. thing. And the incarnation is important because um, God took on flesh. Yeah. And that's the important, that's the message. That's the whole fact that um, God became one of us. Um, he's called, we've noticed and stated many times, the, the last Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, the first Adam being Adam who failed. Uh, through disobedience, and then the last Adam, who did not. Um, they're both identical. Jesus is the last Adam, was identical to the first Adam. If he wasn't identical to the first Adam, then there really was no test, and there really was no real victory. And we need to understand that. And so um, the incarnation is, is a very important thing. And though we may not understand it logically or reasonably, yeah. there is reasonable and logical... Uh, a revelation on how God did that, and that's the important thing. The bottom line, the authority for our belief is God's revelation. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it, it uh, lines up with human reason and logic, but not always. And so our faith is, um, is based on revelation. It's reasonable, it's logical, but it's not based on reason or logic alone. Very, very important. You always make that point that real faith because there are a lot of interesting ideas about faith and what it is or isn't. Uh, people in the word faith movement have all these 
interesting right. non-biblical ideas about what faith is. Yeah. But faith, you say, always points us back to the scripture. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's important for that because if, if we don't use the scripture for um, our objective truth, then we have to be open to receive anybody's opinion. And that's what, um, what, what protects us. That's what protects the gospel. That's what protects God's word. Um, and, and so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, okay. verse 5 through 8, and we'll look about five things um, dealing with the incarnation. Uh, the first being the essence of the incarnation. Uh, there in uh, Philippians 5, uh, 6, he says, who being in the form of God, and so the essence of the incarnation of Jesus was that he was God. Amen. Um, important. Uh, the pronoun who refers to Jesus in the previous verse of verse 5. Let his mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Yes. And so the title Christ identifies as deity uh, of Messiah. The name Jesus identifies as humanity. Yahweh is salvation. But the particular word being is called an antecedent condition. It describes that uh, he, he was God when he before he came. He was God when he was here, and he's still God. Now he's back up there. So being in the form of God, he was God. It's that condition that, of, of his nature. In other words, um, he, he has not changed except for that he took on flesh mm -hmm. to be our representative. So now the word being in the Greek there, that, yeah. that really has a perspective of Christ in the past, in the present, and in the future, right, right. all three? Right, so in other words, he wasn't God and became completely just human and, and ceased to be God. Okay. No, he was God when he left. He became the God-man. He, he was still God, and when he left, he's still the God-man. Amen. He's up there in heaven sitting as with his wounds in his hands and with everything. With a glorified human body. Right. That's right. crazy to think right. about. So um, the, the essential thing is that God became man. He took on flesh. Uh, Paul uh, says in the likeness of sinful flesh, what the law could not do because of the weakness of the flesh, sin nature, yeah. he sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh because Jesus had no sin in himself, though he had two natures, like the first Adam. Mm -hmm. Okay? The potential's there. And so... Um, he became God in the flesh. The person of Jesus identifies the word their morphos, and it refers to the outward expression of the inner being. And so the essential and abiding nature of his person uh, is the attributes of his character, his physical shape outside. But uh, um, though not visible with the eye, um, it's discernible through the spirit who he was. Mm -hmm. Very important. It's really straightforward in the New Testament, and you see these things. And I mean, Philippians is has got to be the great example, of, yeah. or at least one, one of the great examples. I'm sure you have the same details addressed in the Old Testament in some places. Sure. Jesus was the answer to Isaiah's prayer. In Isaiah 64, 1, he says, Oh, that you would rent the heavens or tear the heavens and um, come down. Well, talking about the incarnation. Amen. Exactly. Okay. So 700 years down, he says, wait, wait a while, 700, I'll be down there. And then Micah 5, 2, Micah says Jesus was from the vanishing point uh, or the days of eternity because God is eternal. No one created him. And yet he limits himself for a set time, for a set period, for a set purpose. He's always God. Amen. And he became man. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome stuff. And the consistency of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all there. 
all hangs together yeah. beautifully. Yeah. You know, Pastor X, last time we talked about how Jesus was an example to human men and women. At some point, the example is there, but there really is an awful lot more going on because it has to do with the theology of God's purpose, what he can do and what he yeah. does. Yeah. Um, I am a son of God. My um, outward expression is reality of the inner transformation Amen. by being born again, repenting. Mm -hmm. Yet I would never say that I am the son of God. Not There's the a son difference of God. between the article the son of God and a son of God. Mm -hmm. And so the son of God um, became man and the father looks upon us to be children of God mm -hmm. through the son with the article. I had a point in time when I became a son of God. While Jesus has always been the Son of God. And a lot of the language in the, in the New Testament, as Christ is speaking to people in the incar during his incarnation, mm -hmm. he makes it very specific yeah. that he is specifically, I am the only right. you know, Son right. of God. Seems to me a really important thing to have a grasp of who Jesus was. Uh, I mean, he, he conducted, as he conducted his ministry, a lot of that becomes evident. And it says, I mean, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, says tons about who he was by how he conducted himself. Yeah, the attitude of Christ as to his essence of being God is declared there in Philippians 6. The second part says, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The word consider is robbery to be equal with God. Mm -hmm. That he would try to be or say he is something that he really wasn't. Jesus did not consider or accounted robbery, meaning a price or a treasure to be attained or held on to at all hazards or to clutch greedily. That's the definition of the Greek scholar Weiss. And so he was not trying to obtain equality, for he was God. Amen. He had it. He was not trying to hold on to equality for his own benefit, but waived it. Wave that natural right for the sake of lost man. Amen. He put it aside. Mm -hmm. Amazing. It's interesting that while Christ held this place of authority and even preeminence, he really didn't act like an elite person. Right. He didn't conduct himself in right. a way that, like, uh, you know, like they show in the movies, how right. in uh, movies about Jesus, he walks around and looks like he just had his nails done or something. Right. You know, and, yeah. and he didn't do that. He was just a normal person. Right, right. We, the Greek scholar again says, the only person in the world who had the right to assert his rights waived them. Amen. Amazing. Yeah. And so Paul is saying, take a lesson from God who was uh, interested in others, mm -hmm. not himself. And so let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, the mind of a servant, completely. Yeah. And that's the exhortation to yes, us. Yes. Uh, one of the things that really is kind of inescapable examining the life of Jesus during his ministry is that this has to be the most extreme example of humility in the history of the world. Is that is that reasonable? Oh yeah. There's no one. There's nobody else. Yeah. Nobody at all. Uh, the human and the humility of Jesus in the incarnation is amazing. The extent of Christ's humility was that he emptied himself. It says right here in the text. He made himself of no reputation. Right. He emptied himself. The phrase uh, reputation um, means to empty, to make void, or neutralize. Okay. So the question is, of what did he empty himself of? 
-hmm. Did he empty himself of his deity? No. Otherwise, his claim to be equal with the Father would have been a lie. Amen. He chose to divest himself of his glory, which he had with the Father from all eternity, and turned it down for a while. Mm -hmm. He says this in what we usually should call the Lord's Prayer in John 17, 5. That's really the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, um, Jesus couldn't have prayed it because there's a petition for forgiveness of sin. He had no sin. Right. It's a model prayer. Amen. And so he emptied himself of his glory. Father, glorify me with the glory which I had before the world was. So he divests himself of his glory, never his deity. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So when it says he divested himself of his glory, when we say that, does that include all the attributes of God that he no longer carried with him during the incarnation? To an extent, directly on himself. Okay. So in other words, he became man dependent on the Father. Right. Exactly. And everything he yeah. did, he depended on the Father for word of knowledge, word of wisdom, for direction. That's why he prayed. Mm -hmm. And so he's the best model for us because this is exactly what we're to do. So he didn't know the, the time of his coming. Okay? He limited himself for a set time for the set purpose yeah. of redeeming mankind. And everything he did, he did by the Father directing and guiding him as a man. Amen. It's interesting to listen to Bible teachers because sometimes they will go back and forth on that. They will understand, understandably, theologically, right. Jesus divested himself. He wasn't omniscient. Right. He, he was not omnipotent right. during the time of his incarnation. Right. But then you will hear them say things like, well, you know, he's God in human flesh. He could do anything. Yeah, right. But he never did that. No, he, no. He, he no. did everything as a man. That's right. That's depending the on the Father. Amen. So uh, it doesn't minimize who he is. It magnifies who he is. Exactly. Because he put aside all these things to be as the last Adam. We are a substitute, depending on the Father to accomplish the fact. He defeated Satan in the wilderness as man, Amen. not as God. God right. cannot be tempted. Mm -hmm. For God to defeat Satan is nothing. Wow, and, and this is stuff we talk about all the time. Yeah. I mean, we don't, but and I talk to people. They talk about the temptation in the wilderness. Yeah, how could you know Jesus being God actually go through? Was there a possibility he could fail? Right. Yeah, and there has to be. Has to be. If there if there wasn't a potential for him to fail, that the first Adam had a potential, absolutely, he did. Then the last Adam had to have had a potential. Yeah. But the distinction is the first fail, the last did not. Amen. That's very very important because if he couldn't have the capacity then there was no real test and no real victory. You have to grab a hold of that. Yeah. And sometimes people try to defend the deity of Jesus in the incarnation so much that they strain it in that and they swallow a camel. Well, and they, they, what they do is they disparage the humanity. Sure. They lose that. They overbalance yeah. in one particular direction. Yeah. But there's something else that you say regularly that I, I've never heard anywhere else, Pastor X, and it's that the fact that the first Adam had the potential to, to fail, and so Christ had to have the potential to fail sure. because Christ succeeded. Right. It also means that Adam had the potential to succeed. Sure. He could have sure. stood up right. against the The first Adam chose to fail. Right, right. The last Adam chose to be victorious. Yeah, Eve was deceived, but Adam transgressed. Right. He right. chose, he made right. a choice. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, people who deny the deity of Jesus at this point, Pastor X, 
to the absence of these particular attributes. They say that these attributes, omnipotence, omniscience, all these things, this is the definition of God. Without these attributes, we're dealing with something that is other than God. How, how should we deal yeah. with that? How well, should we answer the Apostle Paul tells us that in his humility here in verse 7 of Philippians uh, 2, uh -huh. that he took upon himself the form of a servant. Mm -hmm. So he took on something that he was not before his human form. And so the word took is what the Greek scholars call an eris participle, describing the means by which he, that action was accomplished, okay. indicating uh, simultaneous action, being God, he became man. And so voluntarily he divested himself of his glory and took on him the form of a servant. Amen. I mean, he, he, he said to the apostle, he says, you know, um, I am one among you as one who serves. Yes. I didn't come to be served, but to give my life a ransom for many. And that was a whole... Um, slap in the face to the James and John who has the right hand and the left hand Amen. as well as their mommy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the, the other ten got mad at the two because they had the same thing in mind, but the two beat the ten to it. They were all in that same... They were all. None of them were servants. It's true. They all wanted to be lords. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, that's kind of normal humanity. That's, that's humanity. what we do. That's humanity. It's all, you know, a competition and a domination, especially with men. You know, women try and create... Uh, families, but men want to be in charge. <laughs> yeah, you know, God taking that us. form of a servant, the word form is the same as verse 6. Okay. It means the outward expression of one's inner being, the essential and abiding nature of a person and character. So the character was that of a servant, doulos, goes back to the Old Testament, the bond servant by choice, fulfilling the scriptures, Isaiah 43, 50, 52, all over there. So Paul is saying, take a lesson from God who humbled himself for us. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Be a servant. Yeah. Is it reasonable to think that this is maybe the greatest expression of God's affection for his people? Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, he gave the beautiful um, picture there in John 13, uh, verse 1 through 17, as he washed the disciples' feet. He got up from the table, laid garment down, took it off, and then began to wash his feet. He would divest himself of his glory. That's a beautiful picture. We're in heaven. Amen. And he came down to wash feet. And then when he got done, he gets up again and put it back on. This is what he did. He emptied himself of his glory. He became man. He walked this earth. He died for our sins. He served. He was glorified. And he said to the right hand of the Father now. So it's an amazing thing. It's just, I mean... If we understand the incarnation and the implications of it, and that that was God's incredible wisdom of accomplishing um, a salvation in such a way that no one could ever boast, no one could ever take credit for, they'd all come on the same basis, they're all sinners. The degree of sin makes no difference. Um, on the practical level, of course, the more we sin, the more baggage we have, the harder it is to deal with. There are consequences. But yet God will enable us uh, regardless of that. Yeah. So the key is recognizing I'm a sinner, asking to forgive me, and he will do that completely. And, you know, this is something, Pastor X, that we deal with, I mean, regularly. Uh, being at a church and dealing with a bunch of people, you have people who understand the reality of the gospel, 
but then they go off and do dumb things yep. and they have consequences in their lives. Right. And then you sit down and you talk to them and tell them, repent, turn. Yeah. And, you know, God will, there may be consequences, but God will work in your life right. from this time going forward. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's difficult to see people complicate their lives and yeah. make their lives more difficult. And it happens all the time. Amen. Um, yeah. It's just our time up at bat. We're the generation here right now. Amen. But it's happened to all past generations. The world's made up of sinners. And some people walk in obedience and they repent from their sins and God blesses them and they have struggles and testings and everything every day of their life, but they walk. They walk with God. They're growing with God. They're depending on Him and all that. And others sometimes uh, get on fire, they get born again, and then they get a little lukewarm and they start walking in the flesh and start uh, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Amen. And sometimes bring more hurt upon them after they're born again and they walk away from God. Yeah. And some of them come back by God's grave, but not everybody. No, not everybody. And those are the choices people make. No one can blame God. No. Nobody. No, God is blameless. Yeah. It's interesting to me, as you were talking about this as well, you know, because, I mean, theologically we understand the ideas. God became man. Something I didn't understand before I became a believer, actually. Yeah. I sat down to pray to receive Christ. They told me Jesus was God, and I thought, well, you know, well, are you yeah. really? Are you sure? Yeah. And uh, yes, he, he is. The Bible yeah. says Jesus is God. But when you're born again, when you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, not only do you understand the, the concept, the idea, but the reality of it yeah. really comes home. It becomes a really powerful thing. In sure. It changes you. It affects you. Yeah. Understanding these things so important to us. It really provides a context and a perspective to understand humility. Yeah. And the nature of God as well. And without the incarnation, we would really, we'd be in bad shape to sure. be able to understand sure. who God and is. And again, God didn't have to reveal all the things that we're looking at just here in this text. But he does here and in many other texts. Yeah. So that's why we study the word of God so we can get God's picture of redemption. How he did it, when he yes. did it, what was his promises. So here in the text, it says that Jesus became in the likeness of men. The word likeness there means resemblance, a figure or representation, identifying real humanity but yet without sin, not a mere phantom declared by the Gnostics in 1 John 1.1 yeah. 1 and 4.2, yeah. that he didn't leave footprints and, you know, all this stuff, silly. It's like a spirit. Yeah. yeah. And, and so God sent us in the likeness of sinful flesh, as I said earlier in Romans 8.3, to condemn sin in the flesh. Man has intellect, emotion, and will. Man has a body and a spirit. The Spirit of God gives man the ability to live above sin so as to not be mastered by sin nature anymore. Amen. But you must be born again. Yeah. doesn't come through behavioral modification. This behavioral modification is quite inferior to biblical transformation. Yeah. Very, very important. The science of psychology, you know, of uh, 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 sociology or anthropology, those are all inferior. Yeah. And they're off because they, they began with the wrong premise. They began with the premise that man is good. The Bible begins with the right premise. Man is good for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a better premise. The world makes more sense that way. Amen. It's the truth, unfortunately. Yeah. Sure holds up to historical scrutiny, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. as you look at the history of the world, it's yeah. pretty obvious to see that man is good for nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God you help know, us. Because he was tempted in every way like we are. Yet without sin, Amen. Hebrews 4.15 right. says. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, Hebrews 7.26 says. He made himself... 
to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Amen. So God became man at a set time being God still at that time. He's the last Adam. We made that very clear, that we might be rich. In him dwells the fullness of Godhead bodily. In him is the total of deity, Colossians 2, 9. Amen. You're complete in him. Nothing else. You need nothing but the atoning work of Jesus Christ. It's interesting because Genesis says that we were created in the image and likeness of God. Obviously, very different thing. The intent God was not to appear as God. That's his intent here. Okay. But to appear as man while being God. Okay? Yeah. God has prophesied that he would come down as man. Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy of the virgin birth. Amen. Isaiah affirms this. He's a virgin shall bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7.14. John gives us the abode of God as eternal in his identity, the Word, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amazing! Hebrews 10.5 tells us that through a human body, God will, will uh, to be done, his will to be done um, in the volume of the book. In the volume of the book, it's written to me to do your will, O God. Yes. Hebrews 10.5. He's according to the Old Testament. All this is Old Testament. Jesus told John at his baptism, permitted to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. John the Baptist is cussing. He says, you can baptize me. You have to fulfill this. This I, I am the Lamb of God. Amen. I am identifying with mankind. I have to identify with sin nature, with the with the sinful world. Amazing. That relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus is really interesting because there's so little information about it. Yeah. We have no reason to know that they knew one another closely or we spend no time idea. or talk to one another. No Obviously, idea. when Jesus shows up to be baptized, John doesn't understand exactly no, what's going on. Not at all. And so he, he, but he knows who Jesus is. Right. He knows to follow the lead as yeah. Jesus instructs him. Let it be so for now. Yeah. And then again, the text here in Philippians tells us um, not so much of what to an extent, but how he did it. Amen. He took on the form of a servant. God became man. Amazing. The, the verse in there that talks about, you know, he made himself of no reputation is really yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. The, because that's so opposite from what we do as yeah. people. We're always wanting to have a reputation, yeah. concerned about what other people sure, think. Sure, sure. Everybody in the world, even yeah. pastors and that. You know, we have to be careful of that, not to believe all the press about ourselves because people say we're all... you. You know, you just blessed my life and you're the only one I can't... <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. You be careful you don't believe all that stuff. Yeah. Very important. But you realize that the interesting thing is is that, I mean, people are being honest. They're not just yeah. trying to puff you up. But Some. you know <laughs> you know that it's the Holy Spirit of God sure. doing this crazy thing. Yeah. You know, you you stand up in front of a church on a Sunday morning and you, you teach the scripture and God speaks to the hearts of sure, people. Sure. And so, logically, people are going to attach sure, that to Sure, they relate it to that. But God yeah. honors his word above his name. He does. And Amen. so, uh, he used uh, Balaam's jackass to speak. He, he used Balaam to declare the most amazing prophecy about the Messiah. Amen. Um, he used Judas Iscariot 
Yes. Uh, to fulfill scripture. Yes. Never forcing them to do the evil, but knowing that he would do the evil. That's important. That's different from what Calvinism teaches, which is really predeterminism of, of the Greeks. Right. It's, it's not biblical. And so uh, uh, Jesus, knowing the Father had already given him all things into his hand, um, that he um, had come from God and was going to him back, he arose and he washed his feet, as we said there in John 13, 1 through 7. So Paul is saying, take a lesson from God, who denied himself and condescended to man's lowest state, a little lower than the angels, to enrich others. Hebrews 2, 9. Yeah. Wow, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Amazing. That, that verse, you know, from Philippians there, it covers a lot of ground. Let yeah. this mind be it's in you. It's a rich verse. Which was in Christ Jesus. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple. And today we're spending some time talking about the incarnation of Christ, specifically from the book of Philippians, but a lot of other references. We'll be right back with you after these messages. The Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore is a full-service Christian bookstore offering Bibles, books, cards, gift ideas, audio messages from Pastor Xavier Reese, study guides, and more. We're located in Calvary Chapel, Pasadena at 2200 East Colorado Boulevard. That's two blocks west of Sierra Madre Boulevard in Pasadena. We're open Tuesday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., as well as after every midweek and Sunday service. We also have an online bookstore offering many items available for purchase at store.calvarychapelpasadena.com. Feel free to give us a call, 626-584-9992. That's 626-584-9992. Or visit calvarychapelpasadena.com for the Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore, serving the community since 1995. Pastor Xavier Reese and the timely gift of God. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew confirms this as the birth of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. Paul the Apostle told the Galatians, Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son made of a woman under the law right on time. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about the rapture, or angels, or even about life and death? Well, in the new doctrinal series of the Bible, just released by Pastor Xavier Reese, you'll discover answers to these questions and so much more. In this brand new USB flash drive and MP3 audio format, you'll find over 50 messages included from a sermon series entitled, What About? You'll hear these full-length messages answering numerous questions about God, the Scriptures, and the Christian faith. It's the What About Doctrinal Series of the Bible, available now for just $19.99 plus shipping from the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. It's a PC-Mac compatible MP3 audio USB flash drive from Pastor Xavier Reese from his What About Doctrinal Series for just $19.99 plus shipping. Available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. That's calvarychapelpasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church. Hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple. Today we're spending some time with Pastor Xavier 
discussing some specific issues concerning the Incarnation, actually the nature of the Incarnation. But we've got a busy week coming up. Yeah. Inside for a lot of people, I know that the uh, roads are all very busy. It yeah. looks like Friday night every time you pull out right. on the street. But um, this coming Sunday, every seven years, Pastor Xavier, an interesting thing happens here at church. Yep. And We're here on Sunday on Christmas. Christmas Day, yeah. the 25th, on yeah. Sunday morning. And we will be here. Yes. We're going to worship at uh, 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. There were two regular Sunday morning services, and there will be child care available for every age group. Right. And the kids will be blessed, and we encourage everybody to come on out and worship together with us on Christmas morning. And we're also going to stream online as well. Great. If you're not a local and you want to watch a Christmas service and not able to. Amen. Right, right. Same Amen. time. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that there will be no uh, services on Sunday evening. Right. So keep that in mind. And then uh, after that, we're approaching the end of the year really rapidly. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Everything falls on Sunday, New Year's and everything. Yes, New Year's and Day. And remember that um, they postponed the parade when it falls on Sunday until Monday. Yeah. So we will have also um, the first we will have here Sunday. Some people are confused right. about that because I've talked to people in the church yeah. who thought, well, I'm not going to come to church yeah, on no, Sunday the 1st no, no. because they, of the they, parade. They suspend it all the time, which I'm surprised they still do that. Well, that was a law they made a long time ago, I guess. Right, what I'm saying, but I, they, they recant a lot of stuff, no big deal. They do. But again, yeah. and if you're out there, don't be a pagan. Come to <laughs> Sunday, come to Christmas, okay? You can open your gifts after church. They'll keep. Uh, the reason uh, <laughs> you're able to have gifts and appreciate them is because Jesus saved you. Amen. Just keep that in mind. You know, Pastor Xavier, I don't mean to interrupt real quick, but uh, your mic, I think it went under your sweater once it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. the nature of the things, right? Yeah. Right on. There go. Is that there? That's, wow. That is better. All right. Awesome. Good. So again, today we're talking about the nature, specific nature of the incarnation. And uh, Pastor Xavier have been, through the ages, people who theorized about Jesus not being fully human. Right. You mentioned that earlier. The Gnostics right. were one of those groups. Right, right, right. It may or may not make sense. Uh, it's awkward imagining God taking on a human body. But this is, this is really what the Scripture teaches, plainly right. and clearly. The reality of a genuine substitution is, in fact, recorded for us. Amen. He was in every way a man. Here in uh, Philippians 2, 8, the beginning says, and being found in appearance as a man. Mm -hmm. um, he was found in appearance as a man outwardly. Mm -hmm. The reference to appearance means fashion, pointing to the external physical being um, in contrast to who he really was inwardly, God. Mm -hmm. um, verse 6 again and 7. And so the word is used in Corinthians 7.31 for the external physical world that is passing away. 1 Corinthians 7.31. And uh, so Jesus, um, the Jews told Jesus, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God in John 10.33. So the Jews, they understood and heard him properly. Amen. Jesus was saying, I am God. Yes, yes. And that's why they said you're blaspheming. Yeah. Always interests me that uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't get that. 
Yeah. The Jews understood it clearly. They yeah. were ready to stone him right. because of the things that he said, making himself equal with God. Right. But for some reason, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't, don't pick that up yeah. as they're reading through. Right. They thought right. the Jews were confused. Yeah. Well, you know, again, you got many um, opinions and theories and different things that people add to the scriptures. They don't use the Word of God as a plumb line to judge their opinions and their thoughts. Amen. And therefore, they take them as revelation an objective truth from God when, when it isn't. And so Pilate brought Jesus forth in his crown of thorns and, and uh, after beating him and said, Behold the man Yes. in John 19, yes. 5. He had a physical birth after nine months in Mary's womb. He uh, hungered, thirsted, he cried, he died. Physically, yes. He was uh, tested at every point as we are yet without sin. I mean... In every way, all the evidence in the New Testament, he was 100% man. Amen. It, it's, I mean, basically, it's impossible to acknowledge the Scripture as accurate and deny that Jesus was a human man. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The essence of God, the nature of God, yet he manifests himself in the nature of man. Yeah. Amen. In the physical body. And so the reality of Jesus came in the likeness and the fashion as a man. Mm. He became the last Adam again, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Very, very key. People don't understand that and go back to that. He became the substitute to redeem us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13. What the law could not do again in Romans 8, 3 because the weakness of human flesh. Amen. He sent him in the likeness of human flesh, sinful flesh, to condemn sin in the flesh. And so um, Jesus became the ransom, the payment in all, um, in every aspect, the full payment for sin. Um, Matthew 20, 28, 1 Timothy 2, 6, and many, many others. Uh, once again, made, making them sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's an incredible verse in 2 Corinthians yeah, 5, 21. It it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And so once again, Paul is saying, take a lesson from God who gave himself for us in our stead. Be this mine in you also. Amen. You know what I mean? The the advice is amazing and we all we all apply, we all need the Lord's help. And it's interesting, you know, I was, actually I was talking to my wife last night about uh, she was making Christmas cookies and she's getting all flustered and upset because yeah. things are not working the way that she wants them yeah. to, you know. Have to keep your eyes on the Lord. Have to, <laughs> have to. And, you know, we all have different areas of, of temptation and difficulty, but I have to let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I need yeah. that desperately. Yeah. And all the things of life, whatever it is, whether it's cleaning our garage out or a car breaks down or whatever it is, yeah. they're all necessary things. They're all important things, and they're all things that are inconvenienced. But, again, being a Christian, I have to deal with it a little different. I still have to deal with it, yes. but my mind is different. Okay, Lord, you're in control. Give me wisdom. I have to just, you know, work on priorities and, 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 and work through them and keep my eyes on him. Otherwise, you know, I, I lose the peace that I can have. That's important. Yeah. And Christ is the example of humility. The way, and I mean, not only, and we look at, you know, we start off, we're talking about him, him being born and, and into a human, human body, which he will be in forever. Right. He is forever going to be a glorified human being from the time that he was born. But then the humility even goes further than that, doesn't it? Sure, sure. I mean, you look, you, you realize the, the point from which he 
divested himself from. Yeah. Uh, all powerful, all knowing, all present, having every attribute unto perfection. And yet he came as a servant. Yeah. And he became our substitute. And he gave us an example. And then through the new birth, he empowers us to be able to do the same. Never sinless, never perfect, but we can hit the mark now. That's the amazing thing about the new birth. The second, uh, second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 says that he's given us a divine nature and with many promises to escape the corruption of this world through lust. And so now we're able to please God. Uh, an amazing thing. Yeah. yeah, amen. And he humbled himself to the point of death. Yes. And the crazy thing, this is something that God chose to do. Yeah. This was his decision and his plan from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. His submission is seen in attitude. The word humble there means to abase or to bring low. Humility is the opposite of pride and self-exaltation as used in secular documents of the Nile River when the Nile ran low. Mm -hmm. So Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly in heart in Matthew eleven twenty-nine. He did not look down on sinners but felt compassion and offered repentance and forgiveness to them as he was called a friend of sinners in Matthew eleven nineteen. Amen. You know, even sometimes we as Christians, we, we, we know what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to look at one another and even all of humanity. And yet sometimes we may confront some individual that we kind of take a step back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yet Jesus doesn't. No. And so we have to keep ourselves in mind of that. And submission is seen in action. The example is he was obedient in every way. Obedient, meaning attentive, listening. Uh, obedience uh, is not just hearing words and their sound, but it's understanding and following through and obedience to that instruction. Mm -hmm. Jesus prayed all night to hear the Father's voice constantly, as he chose to do 12 apostles in Luke 6. Yeah. You know what I mean? An entire night of prayer. So Jesus never did anything of his own and on his own but only as the Father directed him and ordered him and enabled him. Amen. Very, very important. What does he say? I, I do always those things that please the yes, Father. Yes, Amen. yes, It's interesting that there, there's a hierarchy that exists with God and that the direction of this, this initiative begins with the Father's command right. to Jesus and Jesus is obedient and God is so consistent in the yeah. Scripture. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't seek his... His own will. Amen. But the will of the Father who sent him in John 5.30 says, So Jesus submitted to the Father who is said to be the head of Christ, and Christ is the head of God in 1 Corinthians 11.3. So the God's creative order, you have the Father, the Son submissive, and then you have the head of man and the wife under him. Yeah. So anytime people want to use submission in the Bible to imply inferiority, they're crazy. Amen. You would have to say that Jesus is inferior to the Father. There's Which no is, way. Yeah, that doesn't the work. The Bible, submission in the Bible is for efficiency and effectiveness, mm -hmm. productivity, mm -hmm. all the way. That's important. And, and you know, and it's a thing that, like, for instance, we do premarital counseling, sit down with couples before they're married. And, and that's such an important principle yeah. to understand the fact that Authority and submission is necessary for order. Sure. And in any kind of a situation that God directs and blesses people, 
to follow his direction, yeah. there has to be authority and there has to be submission to that authority and it needs to be willing. If it's going to really function well, yeah. it needs to be willing submission. There's nothing in this world that exists that doesn't have authority and submission. Yeah, yeah. If it's going to be effective. And hopefully it's uh, servant authority. Right, right. You know, it's a, but someone has to give the orders, someone has to carry amen. out. In That's a corporation, right. in, in a business, in a family. Uh, whatever it is. Yeah. All the way. But there's order there and everything else. And when you have a chaotic society, you have no efficiency. We that, look to our world today. That's what we got. When they're getting rid of objective truth and organization. You couldn't fire people if you wanted to today in a job. No. Um, uh, you couldn't. I mean, people, I bet you out of an eight-hour day, you'd be hard-pressed if you get four hours of hard work out of anybody. You ever I, go into Home Depot? <laughs> it's almost like when you walk into the house in the dark and you turn on the light and cockroaches, they all go hide. <laughs> this is when you're looking for somebody to help yeah, you? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Any Home, home Depot uh, uh, affiliates out there, you know, we hope you guys are doing a good job. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> but, you know, hey, people are sinners. I, I yeah. think I was watching last night on television about the situation at the southern border. You know, why do we even have a border? If people just come into this country and then they don't get deported, yeah. they stay here. They transport yeah. them all over the country. Yeah. And there have been, Pastor X, a couple of million people have come into the United States. Oh, yeah. And we say right. it's illegal, right. but then we allow them to stay and just, right. and Lord knows, it, it appears to me, and obviously I don't know, but it appears that there's going to be an amnesty for everybody that's in the country yeah, that's illegally. That's the whole goal. It started with George Bush, then Obama. Yeah. And they uh, bust them and flew them into other states. And much of that, too, is also to occupy the red states and to flip them over to be blue states. No doubt. They know no within uh, 10 years they'll do that. Yeah. And so they're, they're, there's evil behind that concept of transpopulating people. Uh, it's nothing new. It's, it's, it's no. old with conquering empires. You know, it's just you're very patient. You start infiltrating um, or illegally or whatever it may be for occupation, for transformation. It's just the way it is. Yeah. The problem for us, there's no authority. Right. And there's no submission to that right. authority. It becomes yeah. chaos. Well, they're breaking the law, the Constitution. They're not. Yeah. No laws are being applied today yeah. except for the good people. Isaiah 520 says they call good evil and evil good. That's where we're at today. Amen. Completely. Amen. And we saw the, the amazing thing, the thing of how Jesus stands in contrast to all these things is his obedience. Yeah, yeah. And that he was responsive to the authority of the Father. He followed the Father. Yeah. The subordination of Jesus is magnified by the extent that he submitted himself to the Father. Amen. Um, the extent of his obedience was complete and total, to the point of death. I do always those things that please the Father. Yeah, hard to In the volume of the book has written me to do your will of God. Which of you convicts me of sin? Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and he wasn't he wasn't speaking to his friends necessarily. There, no. You know? no. Yeah. The extreme of his obedience even unto the point of death, the ultimate. Because yeah. he died in our place. Um, something that even when a person lays down their life for their friend, maybe and um, saving them from a car coming and hitting them or whatever it may be. Now the, now, the person laid down his life to save the other life. 
but it only benefits them for the remainder of the years they have left. Yeah. When Jesus died, he affects our eternity. That's amazing. It's a whole different thing. It's yeah. not only the quality of life and the years we have left, but after death, where am I going to spend eternity? Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And the, the kind of death. I mean, yes. it's not just that he expired, right. but that he w Jesus essentially was beaten to death. Right. You know, and, and hung upon a thing you, you wouldn't do to an animal. Right. Under any right. circumstances. Hard to imagine a more difficult death. Yeah, yeah. The death he died was one of a, a condemned criminal. Yeah. Um, Psalms um, is spoken about the cross, and it's described for us in Psalm 22. My mm -hmm. God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Yeah. And the verse down, it said, because you're holy. He became sin for us. Who knew no sin? And so the Father had to judge sin. And judging sin, he poured his wrath upon him. Judgment came over the sun. Darkness was in the middle of the day. And so uh, there was a real payment, a, a real uh, acceptance of that payment. There was real victory in that he died and then he rose from the dead. Yeah. Amen. And that's important. So he tasted death for every man. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Uh, he became a curse for us. Um, he was delivered from the determinate counsel for knowledge of God. He was in Acts 2.23 it says. So that means that God... His plan was to crucify and to kill his son in our place. Yes. By passing judgment on him, he became literal sin for us. Amazing. Now, doesn't make any sense rationally or logically, but biblically, that's a revelation. Amen. Wow. And you have the pattern all the way back to uh, Genesis chapter 22, right. where you know Abraham takes his son Isaac, his only son, yes, Isaac, to the mountains of Moriah. And he, God instructs him to offer him as a burnt offering. Right. Now, it was never God's intention that he would do that, but he wanted to see Abraham's obedience. Right. The interesting thing for us is, is that way back, back there, I mean, thousand, couple thousand years before the time of Christ, God is foreshadowing right. what he's going, what he intends to do. Yeah. And, and that's the importance of studying the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Because the Old Testament is progressive revelation. It begins with the revelation of the beginning of creation, man, and the fall. Yeah. And the first prophecy of the virgin birth or redemption in Genesis 3.15. And from there on, God keeps adding little pieces. And the promises, he calls the nation. Each prophet has another little piece. But they're all pointing to Jesus Christ. The whole tabernacle and typology, every aspect was pointing to Jesus. Symbols, shadows, things to come. And so when you go through it, then you see the fulfillment in the New Testament. So the new interprets the old Amen. as a fulfillment. The types are pointing prophetically forward. Mm -hmm. The fulfillment is called the anti-type. It's fulfilled. There's no more fulfillment of Amen. it. Yeah. And so he, he became um, the fulfillment of God's promise for the redemption of mankind. And so that's why it's important that we stay in the Word of God, we understand that we study it, and we give it to people simply what God says, not what we believe He says. Right. Very not, important. Not opinions. Yeah. You know, Pastor X, you have been teaching, teaching the, the Bible, Bible for close to 50 years now. And I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's so amazing when you, when you begin to study the Bible. As a young believer, yeah. you're born again, you start reading through the, the Gospels, and you see... The, the Holy Spirit of God working through 
the, the, the text, text of Scripture right. in your life to provide wisdom for you as an individual, to give you understanding of God's pattern and the plan that he's had throughout yeah. these, these many ages. Yeah. And I just think that the more time people spend studying the Scripture, it becomes so much more detailed to sure. them. And I think you studying the Scripture and teaching it for, for such a long period of time, you know, you, you can't say enough to exhort people to spend time in the Scripture. And everybody has to wrestle with the text. Amen. Everybody has to learn the Word of God for themselves. Study, go to church, learn from your pastor, check your pastor, examine everything. But you have to grow in your maturity in Christ, your understanding of Scripture, and knowing that no matter where you are in life and how much and how long you've been teaching, you still, the thing I am more, most ignorant in is the Word of God, <laughs> even after 50 years. <laughs> Well, it, it is so vast. It is just un—it's it, it, untappable <coughs> to its full me. extent. It was interesting talking to you this this week because I know uh, a week ago Sunday we just started the book of Proverbs, right. and you are so excited yeah. at going through this book and the things that the Lord's showing you, right. and just what, what an amazing, amazing benefit, benefit to, to the people of the church. church. I mean, yeah, I've read, read it and everything else, else, and I've done a message on Virtuous Woman, but never really verse by verse, because uh -huh. it's such an awkward book to yeah. an extent. Uh, but it really isn't. A lot of the commentators say, well, it's a book that doesn't have any real organization, but it does. It's very organized. Amen. It gives us um, um, the, the threefold division uh, of Solomon being the author, um, chapter 1 through 9, then 10 down to 24, and then they have a little next section there for the wise man. I don't worry about that. And then you have the uh, collection of Proverbs by Solomon, uh, of, by Hezekiah's men. So you have the threefold division with the two editions at the end of King Lemuel and the virtuous woman and that. Uh, so it's really easy to understand. The division is given to us. The prologue or the purpose of the first seven verses. Then you have wisdom personifies a woman from chapter 1 to, verse, to chapter 9. Mm -hmm. And then the Proverbs begin in chapter 10. And of course, the Proverbs may not always be categorized in what is some organized fashion that yeah. we would say thematically. But it's poetry. But yes, it's poetry and everything else, but it's all tied together. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm really excited about doing it because I've never uh, taught it. So. We'll see what happens. It's pretty awesome. It, yeah. It's great to sit in a church where, where your pastor is excited about teaching. teaching. You know, it makes, <laughs> a, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing, you know, again, as we're talking and hear about the, the incarnation of Christ, taking that example and, you know, putting where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing for yeah. us. Yeah. And some of you may be out there and you're, you know, we go through these uh, studies and we discuss these things. We try to make them as nonchalant as possible with the accuracy of God's Word, um, to be able to communicate to you uh, the richness of the Bible and that you would be um, willing and hungry enough to open the Bible yourself and to study and to find a Bible teaching church. Uh, I, I always ask people, do you go where they teach the Bible? Oh yeah, isn't that? Well, everybody says that, but it's not true. Many pastors don't teach the Word of God. They don't expound it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. They don't follow the text in its context. They don't allow the scripture to interpret scripture. Now what they say may be biblical truth, but not from the text they're teaching. 
or they may just expound a text and it's a platform and a springboard to just go everywhere. Yeah. You've got to take your text and it's going to tell you what it's going to, I, I, when on Sunday morning I tell you what I'm going to tell you and then I tell you what I told you I was going to tell you and then when I get done I told you that I, I, I was faithful to tell you what I said I was going to tell you. Mm -hmm. So it's all there. So you learn the meaning of the text. That's the most important. Once you mean, know the meaning of the text, then the application, you'll see how it applies. Sometimes straight across as in the text, sometimes in principle only. But the meaning of the text, these books were written for a set time, for a set people, for a set problem, with set vocabulary that was used in that day. Words change. You have to interpret them with the meaning of the day. Very, very important. And so as you do that, it doesn't come overnight. It's not easy. But you, you, you hunger, you study, you, you keep going forward, you trust God for it, you, you correct as you move, move along, you're growing, you're doing all that, and that's important. And so even in this season, people get religious. I hope that you get excited by going to church. I hope you get excited by telling people about Jesus Christ. I hope you're born again so that you can give that personal witness of what he's done in your life, what he took you out of, and that you, uh, you be able to minister the simplicity of the gospel that God became man, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead, and he alone is able to forgive us and to bring us to be one with God. No one else, no amount of works, no marriage, nothing. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And your faith, if it's true biblical faith, must point you back to the revelation of God. If your faith is not scriptural, then it's foolishness. Yeah. That's all it is. You may be sincere, you're just sincerely wrong. The Bible is accurate, and so it's important that you work your way through the Bible, and especially in this season, you know, probably Jesus wasn't born in December. Uh, shep shepherds and sheep were out, the scriptures tell us. It's too cold for them. Yeah. Probably around maybe October, yeah. maybe. Or before. But it doesn't matter. It ma matters that he was born. And so um, lift your heart that God would use you, especially in the time that we're in in, in the world, this globalism that's out to deceive so many people, to control people, and not to listen to um, the needs of the people, that you know Jesus Christ and you communicate that with people. And so we can't encourage you enough. Find a church that's going to teach you the Word of God. Uh, get on fire for the Lord. Uh, Men, be the heads of your home. Take care of your wife, your children. Be the high priest of your home. Lead them, pray for them. Lead them by example. You go to church with them. Uh, you take them. Some of you have children that are wayward, they're older already, you continue to pray for them. You go to church, you be there because you're a light and don't move. They will call you when they're in trouble and you point them to Jesus, very, very important. And so nothing ever changes. God is good, man is a sinner, and we desperately need him more than he needs us. He, if he can gain anything from us, it's only one thing, it's a headache, that's all. <laughs> And so I would encourage you. And if you're out there, you don't know Jesus Christ, open your heart to him. He died for you. Say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Make me your son, your daughter. In Jesus' name. That's it. Go find a church. Get into the Word of God. God bless you. Keep it simple. Don't make it complicated. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese, on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed 
encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.